baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by Summer at SLU. Find your kids' best summer yet at St. Louis University. Time to rewind. It's the Chris and Amy Rewind Recap. Nate Gatter, guess what we've got to do today? Take a guess. Recap the show? Well, I mean, yeah, but that's not what I was going for. I don't before, know. Before the show is over, what do you think we're going to do? You have one guess. And you have five seconds, and if you get it wrong, you're getting thrown out the window. We're going to call Amy. We're not going to call Amy. <laughs> Look. This, I don't know. You're expecting me to just guess It's vacation wildly. for her. It's vacation for me, too, pal. Okay. Uh, we're giving away tickets to see James Taylor. Before the show is over, James Taylor, June 6th, is performing live at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. And we got a pair of ducats to give away today. Before this hour is up. How about that? And tomorrow and Friday. I don't know how you expected me to guess that, but I am excited. Well, are you part of the show today or not? It's not in the rundown. (laughs) You're right. It's not in the rundown, is it? What a show we've had so far. So Nate is filling in for Amy today. No, we're not giving away the tickets now. Don't call in. This always happens. It happens every time. You always act indignant. We'll We'll let you know when the tickets... Will be given away, but it is not right now. We'll, we'll we'll keep you posted. Don't worry about it. All right. A lot has happened on the show today. We spent uh, the first part of the show talking about uh, City SC back in action. They had their first game last night, the CONCACAF uh, Championship. But MLS play will start on Saturday. So this is a big week for City SC. And as we mentioned, uh, Nate, this offseason is like five minutes long. And they're right back at it. And they get a win last night. It was a good night at City Park. They certainly are. It certainly was a good start. Have to play the second leg of uh, of that matchup against Houston next Tuesday. This is it's a real test for City. Starting with three games in eight days. Uh, there were questions about the depth for the team last year. That was one of the big question marks coming down the stretch of the season when they had those injuries and some of the guys even who didn't get hurt but who looked like they were physically fading by the end of the year, like Edward Leuven. Um, how would they cope with now playing even more games with the addition of, of CONCACAF Champions Cup uh, play? And they've added depth. They they feel much better about the roster that they have right now, I think, than they did last year in terms of their ability to cope with these three concurrent competitions that they're going to be in when the U.S. Open Cup also gets uh, underway. And I, I think they can at least be optimistic about being able to do better in that regard. So how do you feel about them? We know what the start was last year. They were an excellent start, historic for an MLS team. What do you think of what the team is now? Are they closer to what they were at the beginning of the year, closer to what they were at the end, somewhere in the middle? Probably closer to what they were at the end, which doesn't mean they're bad. But outside of that phenomenal start, they were they were more like 500 the remainder of the season, which I think is probably... Uh, closer to fair 
Um, if you want to go really hard on the advanced stats, the the expected goals, which is essentially taking all the stats and, and putting them into a number of how many goals should they have led to. It's meant to measure a team's luck and finishing and whether they, they uh, over or underachieved. The expected goals say City vastly overachieved. In fact, some calculations even say that rather than being first in the Western Conference, City should have been at or near the bottom. Uh, I think that's an overestimate and, and uh, undersells the value of the system and the consistency that that brings. I think Bradley Carnell is a phenomenal coach. I think Lutz Vanishdiel knows what he's doing. Uh, they've addressed some of the biggest needs. Tomas Totland looks like he's going to be phenomenal at right back, which was a, an area of need. Nicholas Dewar, we didn't get to see start uh, last night at left back. They brought in Chris Durkin in the midfield to help solidify that. Really, the only major departure was Nico Joachini, who they got a couple million for selling him to uh, Como in Italy. That Jared Stroud was also traded away. He played a lot of minutes, not a, especially popular among the fan base. Um, so I, I think they addressed their their biggest areas of need. Um, I do think probably they overachieved last year. My guess would be rather than being in that top three or four competing for a Western Conference regular season title, they're probably in that five to eight range. Let me ask you this question. You mentioned Stroud, and I don't want to dance on the man's grave. But, uh, okay, I am no soccer expert by any means. But that dude whined a lot, right? He whined. I, I was, think, he, was it more than usual? I, a little bit, but I think Jared Stroud is an underrated player okay. because he... Uh, to me, Jared Stroud represents what City were all about, which was finding players who were undervalued for some reason. Austin basically gave him away after they didn't play him at all the season prior. Moneyball. City got him for basically nothing. He played 31 games for them. He started the majority of those. He ran and ran and ran. He pressed and pressed and pressed. He was willing to work for the team. Yes, he would get stuck in now and again. Yes, he would complain now and again. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a, you know, as you guys like to call them, a shift disturber around. Yeah, we, yeah he wasn't a shift he, disturber like us. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of that. And he also popped in five goals and five assists. So I get it. His skill level, his quality on the ball was not what Klaus or Joe Acchini or Rasmus Alm or Indiana Vasilev or Edward Leuven bring to the table. But I think fans were, when I look back on the first season of St. Louis City and what made it successful, to me, Jared Stroud, in some ways, even though he wasn't as much of an impact player as the Leuvens or Klauses of the world, Jared Stroud, in some ways, personifies what made them so successful in the first year compared to what was expected. Quality on the ball. Remember that phrase, Tyler. We're going to use it over and over again. There you okay, go. bottom line, uh, one sentence. Is this team a playoff team? Yes. That's one word. You but, did it better than one but sentence. But probably not top four. All right. We also spoke to Ellen Cardigan, who is the uh, is a St. Louis University professor of political science. After the death of Alexei Navalny in uh, Russia, what would have happened? And I asked her this question. Had there been an actual election, had uh, Vladimir Putin even allowed that to be a real competition, would Navalny have ever had a real opportunity to win there? I think it's fairly clear he would not be able to run any candidate that Putin sees as an actual threat um, never manages to get on the ballot. And usually the, the, the reason is that the Election Commission says that some of the signatures that uh, were on the petition to get the person on the ballot are invalid. She also goes on to say that he had support but may not have been as much support nationally as you might think. That interview was on the Odyssey app if you want to take a listen. We also discussed uh, 
Um, the Alexander Smirnov uh, news that we got yesterday, some court documents were released, and this was an ex-FBI informant uh, on Hunter Biden. And this is what Scott McFarland from CBS News told us about him and what we found out. Petition to get the person on the ballot. Not that one, but this is Smirnoff it. Smirnoff faces two federal criminal charges, accused of making a false statement and making a fictitious report. He's an FBI informant and has been for some time. But according to the prosecutors, he spun false tales about Hunter Biden, the president's son, and President Biden, linking them to some bribery allegation involving the Ukrainian energy company Burisma. And he's been charged uh, by the Department of Justice. What this does not mean is that Hunter Biden is off the hook because he is not. That is still ongoing, and he still finds himself in a bit of trouble. It probably will not affect uh, uh, President Biden either. It's a, it's a separate situation. So um, whatever happened here, I think the bottom line, what you can take away from it is Russia, Vladimir Putin, is very active in trying to make things more difficult within the United States one way or the other, whether that is misinformation whether it is actually trying to interfere in elections, whether it is the knowledge that as a country we have our own infighting and there's plenty of division that is our own fault as a country, they love to worsen it. They love to fan those flames, and it's beneficial to them, and they will continue to do it. And so this is this is just evidence of that, and we need to continue to be mindful of it. So whether it's... Um, whether it's just simple misinformation, whether it is cybersecurity, because there are real cyber threats that Russia poses. It's Russia. It's it's China. Um, to an extent, Iran. We've got all kinds of cyber threats we need to be worried about. And Russia is at the top of the list of countries that we need to be uh, keeping a close eye on because, you know, they they love to make things worse for us and more difficult for us in this country. So that interview is there for you. Also, um, we discussed the stadium situation with the White Sox in Illinois as Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of that team, is lobbying the state for funding to get that stadium done. He's looking for a billion dollars, and he believes Illinois is going to do it. And, well, um, that would affect all of Illinois, not just uh, the northern part, but also here in Southern Illinois, um, we have we spoke to Brendan Moore, who is the Illinois state government reporter for Lee Enterprises. To say there is skepticism about uh, public subsidies for facilities that will be used by privately owned sports teams, uh, that's putting it mildly. Reinsdorf is going to have a very difficult job uh, selling this to not just legislative leaders, not just to Governor Pritzker, but uh, to rank and file lawmakers. Several of them yesterday indicated they'd like to learn more, but just based on what they've heard, it might not be something they're interested in. And Moore said that he spoke to, uh, in particular, a uh, Metro East out out of Swansea, a representative who said, you know, need to know more about it, but eh, it looks like, and I'm paraphrasing, that it looks like something that they would not be interested in. So we'll see how that all plays out. But generally speaking, I am not on board with paying for billionaires to build stadiums. Do it yourself. Get your own private financing because it never turns out being good ultimately for the average taxpayer. 
I'm comfortable with that being a good fallback as just a, a general opinion to have. There might be exceptions out there. I, I don't know. I would be open to them on a case-by-case basis, but I think as a default option, that's where we should be. And, and I was wrong about City Park. When, when that vote happened, what, six years ago now? I was saying at the time, this is our chance for an MLS team, and if we don't pass this, we're not going to get one. And guess what? I was wrong. They did it because private entities got it done. They got it done, and it can be done. And I, I think if cities stop, you know, kowtowing to billionaires and and you know, oh, don't don't threaten to move, don't leave, don't take your team from Oakland to Las Vegas. We'll give you whatever you want. Don't do that. You know, if we stop doing that, then maybe they will build their own stadiums, which they should. That's Nate Gatter. I'm Chris Ranji. This is KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Nate Gatter is in for Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji today. Nate, um, you're a Mizzou guy, and we got the news this week that their athletic director, um, who I think was pretty well liked from what I understand, Desiree Reed Francois, left for a job with Arizona, which is a school that she went to. Um, but she was, a, it was a postgraduate yeah, she got degree, a lot right? Of so it's not like it was an undergrad thing. Um, she went back there for less money. We know the football team just came off a an ex- really successful season. So football is the the number one driver for revenue with a, a college athletics department. And Mizzou just had a great year. Is something going on here at Mizzou because you've had this, and this is not really the first time in the last several years that a, that a, a similar event has happened where you've got this athletic director that people like and might very well be good at the job leaving for what appears to be a lesser job. Yeah, I think it, the the concerns here are, first of all, making less money. I mean, she, after incentives and, and non-compensatory pay, because college athletics, especially public schools, the, the compensation structures can be confusing, but she made over $1.3 million at Missouri last year, and she's going to make less than that, not dramatically, but she'll make less than that at Arizona. And not only that, she's taking over an Arizona athletics department that is nine figures in the red. Um, moving conferences. And that is moving into the Big 12, yeah. which is the Big 12 has done well in this realignment to solidify themselves with with schools that are, you know, solid. They Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, they're going to be fine. Um, but it's a far cry from the SEC, and even more so now. Really, the power is getting consolidated down into essentially two conferences with the SEC and Big Ten being financially in a different place than all the others. So I think those are all red flags in why would she make this, why would she leave? And yeah, personal attachment. She has generally been a West Coast person. She went to law school there. I, I get that. I think people immediately were concerned. And and what I've seen and what I've heard is that you can trace this to friction with the board of curators. Now, how and in what way does does Eli Drinkwitz, the head football coach, factor into this? 
I don't know. Those two have not always been on the same page, but I think success cures a lot of that, and they had a lot of football success, of course, this season, and they expect to have more next season. A few weeks ago, though, the, the or a couple weeks ago, the Missouri Board of Curators formally created a four-member oversight panel to directly oversee athletics, and that, in particular, I think could be taken as objective evidence of whatever friction there was between the board so and, she didn't have and the com- athletics department. She didn't have autonomy. Right. I th- think that I, she wanted. And already, I mean, Moon Choi, who's pre- the, the president of the entire University of Missouri system and the chancellor of the Columbia campus, is somebody who is, from the outside looking in at least, more involved with at major athletics decisions than past chancellors and presidents have been. Um, he and the board were, were very involved before Desiree Reed Francois got there in the hiring of Eli Drinkwitz. You know, people might remember Jim Sterk, who was the AD at the time, went to the board saying, I had narrow, I've narrowed down my candidates to these three names. And they said, are you kidding me? Right. It, okay. it, it was yeah. not a good list. And basically the board said, okay, we're, we're throwing that list out and we're going to find something else. And it worked out because the, the hiring of Eli Drinkwitz at the time felt all sort of slapped together because the search was taking a long time and nothing was going right. All that is to say that Mizzou is a university where I think the fan base at least perceives power struggles to be common or at least meddling to be common. And, and that it's never as simple as the AD runs the athletics department and everybody else stays out of the way, but certainly the creation of an ex of a panel to explicitly oversee athletics I think is a statement uh, on the board's part, either of a lack of confidence or of just wanting to be more involved. I don't know why they would lack confidence considering the progress the department has made since uh, Desiree was there. But I also wonder then how much of a, fa- of a factor that's going to be in the kind of people they can bring in because Mizzou athletics has a ton of people. If there's one thing Mizzou athletics does well, it's produce senior staffers who go on to be successful athletics directors elsewhere in the country if there aren't 10, there are almost 10 Mizzou people who are sitting ADs at Division One schools. You can make a competitive list and interview only people with Mizzou ties, and you would still have a competitive uh, a list for this job. That doesn't take into account that they'll probably call sitting ADs in the Big 12, maybe the yeah. ACC, and say, hey, are you thinking an SEC job might sound good so right drink, about now? Let me ask you this real quick before we go to break. Drinkwitz is... Um just coming off that fantastic season, mm-hmm. you know, the 11 win season, do, do how much power after four years and for the first few, okay. I mean, you went to bowl games now three years in a row. Um, how much power do you believe he, he holds within the athletic department now after having the season he just did? I think he holds a lot. That's not unusual at any of these schools, right? He's making, $9 million a year and the athletics Desiree was making 1.3. So that already indicates their, their relative importance. Um, on top of that, the, what had, had always been talked about and rumored is, is that perhaps Desiree, because she hadn't brought, hired Eli Drinkwitz was ready to move on uh, after those first three years, especially that third year was sort of underwhelming. They were losing these bowl games, ending on, on bad notes and that the board had, played an outsized role in hand, deciding to hand Drinkwitz an extension instead, because of course in college athletics with the pressures of recruiting and everything, it's never as simple as just retain somebody. It's either fire them or give them an extension because right. everybody always right. has to be locked you, into a long-term yeah. deal. Yeah. And there Players are coming in want to know that the, the 
coach they have is going to be there. Right. And it gives you, you can say that even though it doesn't mean anything, you can say it. So it's just, it's just how college athletics work. So I think already the board was, um, whether you call it meddling or overseeing either way, they were, they were quite involved. And the indication is that's just going to continue. How will that affect the relationship with the next AD? How does Drinkwitz factor into that? I mean, we're going to see as it unfolds. Nate Gatter is filling in for Amy Marks' course today. I'm Chris Ranji. This is KMOX. Hey, speaking of Dickie Barrett, we had him on the show about an hour ago. That's that's uh, his song. I had to explain to uh, Dingus over here, uh, Nate Gatter filling in for Amy Marks' course, who mighty, mighty boss tones were. He didn't know. What percentage of the listener base do you think would would know who the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones were? Seventy percent. Yeah, easy. Okay, they would have at least heard of them. Well, I'd heard that song when you played it. Uh, yeah, he seemed like a like an affable guy. I know he he kind of put his foot in his mouth uh, over some stuff. Although a lot of people probably agree with him politically. And also, put your foot in your mouth sort of implies that you you just awkwardly said something that maybe you didn't mean and then you wanted to walk it back. I think he meant all the things he said. He yeah, just, probably. He, he just, his employers. I wonder if he has any regret on the, probably not though, but the anti-vax stuff. Probably not. Probably not. I mean, the the band broke up because he was in an R, he did some stuff for RFK Jr.'s campaign. Or, well, we don't know for sure. They never said that's why, but it was like five days after that came out. And I assume if he had said, you know, my bad, I, I wish I hadn't done that, they probably would have just, you know, stuck together. RFK, man, he's a, I don't know, I don't know what's going on with that guy. Well, we there's, should have asked there, there something. It. Yeah, we should have asked him about Robert Kennedy Jr. He was surprisingly, I don't know why I expected him to be um, a little more like confrontational. He was so affable. Affable is a very great nice. word. He was a very yeah. nice guy. I expected yeah. him to be more confrontational. He's in a band and, called the Defiant, and he was anything but. And he's been defiant. You know, in the last exactly. couple of years, he's he's lost a, a lot of jobs and things. I mean, he was the show announcer for Jimmy Kimmel for like two decades, which yeah. I said to you off the air. Which, I think, can I tell you something? I did not know that. Well, me neither until I, today. I don't, I don't really watch Kimmel. He's not ever been my thing. Um, he's fine. But as far as late night hosts go, he was not. He's near the bottom. Fallon's near the bottom. Um, you know, I loved Letterman. Conan was great. But I never really watched Jimmy Kimmel. I'm not really, a late and night so guy in I general. didn't know that Dickie Barrett was the guy who was the uh, the PA announcer. Which I didn't know you that. know, maybe it's like a lot of people's jobs look easier than they are from the outside. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, say this about about you, Raj. But I, it really, I imagine being the the, sh- the announcer for Jimmy Kimmel to be some of the easiest money you could make. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy's got a great voice, you know, and that's part of it's distinctive, and that's part of why yeah. he has it. I'm not saying anybody could just do the job. But it didn't seem like something that's taking a tremendous amount of effort. So I would have to really believe something to the point where I'd lose a job like that that probably paid pretty well for almost no effort on account of something, of a political opinion that I had. I'd be willing to denounce a lot of opinions to keep that job. And I would say especially if you're a band that's not, well, I I suppose if you're a band that's constantly touring, you couldn't really do it anyway. Um, Well, I mean, I guess you could. You could probably figure it out. But it, it's not like the Mighty Boss Tones are this this band that everybody knows every one of their songs. and Interesting. They've got, they've now, got, this is a different outlook than I was getting a couple minutes ago when I was getting derided for not knowing the Mighty well, Mighty no, Boss no, no, Tones. I, no, the band, and everybody knows that one song. Right. But you're, uh, knock you on said wood, 70% everybody knows of the listener song. base would know, would know who the they Boss are. Tones. I don't mean know their entire catalog. Got I'm it. saying know who they are. There's okay. a difference. So I think, I think most people would, if you're in that position... I, I would think 
that you would say, look, this is a pretty good job. Um, my band is not, you know, um, at the pay, at the pinnacle. So I'm going to keep this job, I would think. But a lot of people are defiant, which is why that's what his band is called now, I yeah, guess. He was such a normal, non-defiant nice type of guy. He was a very nice person. In fact, and he was quite apologetic about not uh, coming to St. Louis on this tour, as opposed to being defiant and saying, mm-hmm. well, I would never come to that terrible place and he with did your not... Democrat policies and things. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the blue speck in the Red Sea yeah. of St. Louis. Uh, he did not swear on the air, which is good. We had yep. that yesterday. We had a comedian, Brian Posehn, who let it slip and didn't realize he did it. Uh, th- that's the one thing about podcasts that has made it more difficult for us that operate under FCC rules. Um, when you're on a podcast, you could say whatever you want. There's no fine. The good can't, news like, is that means trouble. you can put that interview up without bleeping it on the free Odyssey app, did. and I assume it's fine. The Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, download it, and as Nate mentioned, it is totally free. Um, and you can listen to the Brian Posehn interview. You can listen to Dickie Barrett. You can listen to um, Ellen Carnigan talking about Navalny. We had all kinds of stuff. And when the show is over, everything is available for you to download. And it's all uncensored. All uncensored. Well, Tyler says, yeah, it's totally No FCC uncensored. meddling in the podcast Because you got to clean. Let me tell you something about Amy. You've got to clean up her language. Who, me? No, no, not you. I'm saying, like, us, the royal you. You have to because she's, she, she says some things. Yeah. She says some words she's not supposed to say. Have we tried telling Mason Jar about this? Maybe he could get it sorted out. I, I, he might be the problem. Oh. Well, did it occur before? You knew Amy before. Before Mason. No, she was never like this before. Oh, okay. So it, maybe he is the culprit. Um, yeah. I don't know what else it Might could have be. to bring him in and have him defend himself. I don't know what else it could possibly be. Right? Do you think he listens to you when Amy's not on the show? The, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you think he listens Although to you when Amy is be, on the show? Well, she's listening. I know that. I don't know why she's doing it, but she was. Um, and she, just like me, as we talked about this this earlier... Did not know that the Sporting KC Stadium was in Kansas. Even I though she attended a game there. She went to a game there. Yeah, didn't we didn't mention there. that in the show recap. We should have. We really should. Yeah. Amy, she goes, I was there and I didn't know we were in Kansas. And I was getting derided for my apparently unpopular opinion in the 618 that stadiums should have things around them other than strip malls and parking lots. You really did offend somebody. Yeah, he was. he's like, are you kidding me? Dave and Buster's and Hooters, also a Banana Republic outlet? That is exactly what I'm looking for. This text message says, uh, cracking up with the geography half hour, the first half hour of the show, I moved from St. Louis to Missouri City, Texas. Hey! It's, it's the Wildwood of Houston. Yes, okay. let's go. Missouri City, <laughs> Texas. I, I bet you he's listening on the free Odyssey app. Uh, gotta be from a two one a two eight one area code. I'm guessing that's wow, Texas. That's great. It's the Wildwood of Houston. It's a, a distant suburb. Yeah, so distant. Wildwood might as well be the moon. It is so far. I'm not kidding you. I went to Amy's uh, birthday party that she had. Was it a birthday party? Ah, something. Whatever. At her parents' house in Wildwood. And my God, we packed provisions. We that's, brought... It's still St. Louis County, though. That's not even... You're not... You know, forget about Lake St. Louis or Wentzville for Ronge then. I guess you're not crossing the Missouri River under any circumstance. I don't do two rivers. I don't... I will not... If I'm going to see you, I will cross one river to see you, but I will not cross two. 
That's my rule. So, um, as we learned, though, during that geography half hour, there you could follow river. the Missouri, ha- uh, Missouri River all the way to Kansas City. You could. It would take a long time, right? Yeah, it's meandering, you know. Yeah. They didn't, you could they get didn't there. build the river on the most efficient <laughs> route, right. as it were. That's right. Hey, you heard Matt Pauley with his uh, Cardinals report from spring training, and you can hear that every day. And it's brought to you by Renner Garage Door, R-E-N-N-E-R, forward and back. Family-owned and top-rated, RennerDoorSTL.com. Cardinals, they got their full-team workouts ongoing. They've got baseball Saturday. Dude, real baseball. game. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's not regular season, but it's, it's you know, Grapefruit League. And I cherish this first weekend because it's really the only part of spring training that's good. Like spring training, I don't remember who the first person I was who I heard say this, but spring training is one of those things where you can't wait for it to arrive and then you can't wait for it to be over, right? You can't wait for it to start, can't wait for it to end. That's because right. after, by this time next week, certainly by this time two weeks from now, we'll be like, God, it's spring training. How much more can it's, I really talk about especially this? Especially the veteran position players. They're good to go a couple they're of all, weeks in. They're, yeah, they're already, they've had they don't, enough. Yeah, I mean, unless you're coming back from an injury or you're working on timing or something, by the time you get to week two or three of Cactus League, Grapefruit League, you're ready to go. But pitchers kind of need to get stretched out a bit. So it takes them a little bit longer, and they can use that entire month. But for the hitters, especially if you're Paul Goldschmidt, or Nolan Arenado, you don't need to. You're like, if hey, anything, let's go. like what? the last thing you want is to be hot the last two weeks of spring training. You know, I don't want to be on a 12 game hitting streak with five homers over that span going into the start of the season. Right. Like, are you kidding me? I right. want to count all these. Text, I'm, I'm going to get my slump out of the way. Our texter, John from Dallas, uh, lets us know that 281 is definitely Houston's area code. So we are getting people all over the country. We've got, we've got John from Dallas. We've got. Um, this other guy from Missouri the Wildwood City. of Houston, yep, from Missouri City, Texas. Texas loves us, which is why we are sending our Missouri National Guard troops down there to help at the border. <laughs> anyway, spring training. <laughs> what? Yeah, spring training baseball coming up this weekend, and you can hear it right here on KMOX. When's the broadcast start, Tyler? Are you running the board for these games? Well, there's only one, right, on Saturday. One Saturday that we're carrying and one Sunday. I'll be on the game Sunday. I love, let let me tell you something about spring training baseball. I love being in the car, driving around in like two o'clock in the afternoon, one o'clock in the afternoon, and there's baseball on the radio and you feel like it's getting warmer. I love that. That's not what I thought you were going to say. Oh no. You know what I love? And and maybe this is disloyal to our our wonderful uh, oh, here we go John Rooney Rick Horton Mike Claiborne Matt Pauley who here do such go. a great job. I love when it gets to like the seventh inning and the substitutions are in mass and hearing John and Rick just sort of give up. I'm like, who really cares who number 87 is oh, at this no, point? That's great too. <laughs> you know that is a, so much fun. They're like, oh, uh, who's in right field? Who just caught that? Who knows? Oh gosh, who knows? yeah, no. There no. was that time. I don't know. This was would have been pre-COVID. I think. Cardinal spring training when when the then Fox Sports Midwest telecast couldn't figure out who the guy was because he was wearing some number that wasn't on their roster. Yeah, like 96. And so they put up a graphic of like some minor league guy yeah. pinch running. It's funny. You know, like, it's great. But and, on the radio, it's even better because it's just pure chaos it sometimes. Also, it, they give it up on it at a certain point. I love how in spring training games, guys just, uh, they, you know, they pitch their inning or two innings or whatever at the beginning, and then they just leave. They're golfing. <laughs> they just, 
They walk down the the warning track all the way out to the tunnel and they go away. By the end of the game, while the guys, game's still going, those guys on, are on the fourth tee by the time the game ends. It's such a if you ever get an opportunity to go to Florida, to go to Jupiter and and watch some spring training. It, I mean, it's an investment. It takes a little bit of money to go, but once you're there, it's it's nice. It's a great environment. It's so relaxed, and you know you'll be watching a game and in the middle of the game, in the middle of the innings. You've got players running in the outfield to warm up. Players who are not in the game, they're just running back and forth on the warning track. Like, hey, guys, there's a game going. They don't care. It's just it's just whatever. You probably spent, I love that. When you were with the Sox, did you did you go down to spring training for a yeah, while? I went to every Arizona year? every year. Yeah. yeah. Was that, are you, would you consider yourself, it sounds like, yes, a, a generally a spring training fan? Some of you like the I environment? I like it, but just like the players, you're ready for it to be over at some point. Yeah. I do. I will say this. I like the. I like Arizona spring training better than I like Florida, just because everything is more compact. So you can you don't have to drive that far to see the farthest team mm-hmm. if you're on the opposite side of the city because everything is in the Phoenix area. Yeah, that is so. Nice. It's all right there. Florida, you're all up and down the state, but I don't know. Arizona's cool. They're both cool. If you get a chance, I would highly recommend going to Jupiter, Florida to watch the Cardinals play some spring training baseball. And we will, again, have it this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, broadcasts of uh, your first taste of broadcast in 2024. Speaking of fun things to do, Ronj, when are we giving away those tickets? Right now. Who wants to go see James Taylor June 6th at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater? Huh? You? You? Well, here's your chance to win. Be caller number seven to the contest line at 314-955-1120, 314-955-1120, and you'll get a pair of tickets to see James Taylor, June 6th, Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. Best of luck to you. Now go. It's Nate Gatter and Chris Ranji on KMOX. Sunny days that I Congratulations, Jane in Chesterfield. Jane in Chesterfield is going to be Jane in... Uh, Earth City? Is that what they call it? Is that where Hollywood Casino Amphitheater is? Tec- What's it technically called? I don't know what he's saying. Oh, that's technically Maryland Heights? Okay, whatever. Anyway, Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, June 6th, has uh, James Taylor and Jane and Chesterfield's going to be there. You could be there, too, if you win tickets tomorrow, here during the Chris and Amy show, or on Friday during the Chris and Amy show. So, you got to be listening for your chance to win. So we were uh, just briefly during the break talking about the baseball um, thing, and Ethan came in and showed us a photo of the uniforms, and the players have been complaining about the new uniforms. MLB has some lousy new jerseys, and they look very cheap, and players are saying they look cheap and they don't fit well, which is a problem. And one of the new issues is when the jerseys are tucked into the pants – the pants are so thin that you could see the jerseys through the pants. So, and I thought it was photoshopped. I saw it with a Seattle Mariners jersey, and I thought that can't be real, but it's totally real. You can, <laughs> you can see the pants are so thin you can see the jerseys. I I just don't what think we, it's it's that funny, Ronj. And it, I told you I told you during our last break. You know why I don't think it's that funny? Why? Because I feel like everything, and and this is just such a odd thing for me to say, but I feel like everything in our society is getting worse and simultaneously more Costing expensive. More. 
And it just Sh- sucks. It, this is just evidence of shrinkflation. That's what this is. It's evidence of fanatics being the worst company ever and ruining everything in sports. And guess what? Slowly but surely. If you're a fan going to buy a jersey, it will cost you at least as much as it did last year. It'll cost you more. It'll cost you more. Nate Gatter, thanks for hanging out with me today. I appreciate it, Ron. It's always uplifting. Isn't it? Yes. Dave Glover show is coming up next. Uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Everything you missed on the Odyssey app. It is the Chris and Amy show on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.